Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 99. The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost execute equity. Thou executeth judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that called upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. Thou answerest them, O Lord our God. Thou wast a God that forgavest them, though thou tookest vengeance on their inventions. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. And this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. psalm tonight I've entitled, Holy, Holy, Holy is Zion's King. As we consider this psalm in the fourth section of the Psalter, this this psalm is the third and final psalm that begins with that phrase, The Lord, or Jehovah, reigneth. If you turn back to Psalm 93, you see... The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. As you look at Psalm 97, the psalmist says, The Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. Now we come to this third and final psalm that deals with the reign of Jehovah. That is, The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. It is the church's doxology or expression of praise or exaltation. If you remember that scene there in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, in that year when King Uzziah died, the scripture says there that I saw the Lord seated high above all the earth, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Here Isaiah sees that vision of that holy king exalted there. And as he uses that familiar phrase, holy, 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 it's that Hebrew repetition that expresses the infinite holiness of our God. It expresses that God indeed is holy. He is not just morally pure, 
for he does not sin, but he is limitless in his superiority over all things. He is the infinite and majestic God who is exalted above all things. And so here as we consider this psalm this evening, we see that this psalm declares that God is sovereign as king over all creation. He has absolute power and authority over his creation. As we consider God as king, how do we understand this? God has revealed himself as our God He's revealed Himself to us, but there's a sense in which we cannot rightly define Him. Oh yes, we know our catechism question. Who is God? God is a Spirit who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. We know the Scriptures that tell us about God, but there's a sense in which He cannot be defined. For He Himself is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. And so we see... Here depicted in this wonderful and beautiful psalm that the Lord God reigns as king over the earth. But more importantly, we see here that he rules as king within Zion. We heard a little bit of that discussion this morning which I thought was a great help as we consider that Christ is only the mediatorial king within his church. And here the psalmist reminds us that the Lord Jesus Christ is Zion's king. We need to remember that, particularly as we consider what we've seen previously uh, in this section of the Psalter, as we considered that as the nations are in turmoil, as the wicked advance in their wickedness throughout the earth, we are reminded that Zion has a king who has all things well. And all things are established by his good providence. And so there's nothing that we need to fear. And so in this third and final psalm. With this theme of the Lord reigning as king. It reminds us. That he indeed. Has absolute. And full sway. Within the courts of his church. And so there are three stanzas here in Psalm 99. That end with this phrase. Verse 3. For it is holy. Verse 5, for He is holy. And then in verse 9, for our God is holy. And as we consider those three ending refrains, He is holy, His name is holy, our God is holy. It's a call for the people of God to give praise to this God. For there in verses 1 through 3, we see that He is the God who reigneth. Phrase there, the Lord God reigneth, indicates that there is no end to his reign. Now we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the Lord Jesus Christ will reign as Zion's king until when? Until all the nations are placed under his feet, until he rules, until the last enemy, which is death, has been vanquished. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, particularly of whom this psalm speaks of, reigns within the courts of Zion. Here in verses 1 through 3, the psalmist describes the glory of the Messiah's kingdom. The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. It's a declaration of the universal kingdom of Jehovah. We've looked at this name before, that word Lord as it's in caps 
there in the Psalter is the word that is used in Hebrew for Jehovah. Indicating that that is a name that is preserved. We oftentimes refer to God in, in uh, various ways. And many false religions refer to God with various titles and names. But the name of the true and living God is particularly called the Lord or Jehovah because that is the name that is preserved because it describes God as the one true and eternal God. It describes Him as the triune God. There in Isaiah chapter 8, the the, uh, prophet says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not give my glory to another. God is zealous for His glory. The Lord Jesus Christ as Zion's King is the only one that receives glory out of all the kings of the earth. He is the one who reserves the glory for Himself alone. Verse 1 says that because the Lord reigneth, the people or the nations tremble. word people there is the Hebrew word for nations. That the nations of the earth tremble. Why do they tremble? Because there is a king in Zion. God ordains to dwell among his people in the way that he has prescribed. He has not prescribed to dwell any other place other than in Zion. There among the people who are joined by the king the Lord Jesus Christ. And so He is the mediator of that covenant of grace. He is the one to whom the nations tremble. Now we've seen this before, and I think we often miss this, but I think we need to be reminded that all throughout the Psalms it speaks of the nations worshiping the Lord God. How do the nations worship the Lord? There are many nations that do not worship the Lord God. But it's a reminder to us that the gospel is universal. That the gospel goes forth to all the nations. It encompasses all the nations of the earth. And so when the nations tremble, it is because they have received Zion's king. And so as the Lord Jesus Christ dwells there, it shows that he is a king who dispenses judgments. Great is this king in Zion. Christ is Zion's king and mediator. He is the one to whom the nations are called to worship. Notice there in verse 1, as we consider this first section in these three verses, it says, let the people tremble. And we've seen this phrase in the call to worship there in Psalm 66. Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of His name, and make His praise glorious. Say unto God, how terrible art thou in all thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit unto thee. And so as we consider here, the earth trembles, the earth shakes. There's a quaking, there's a shaking Because the Lord Jesus Christ dwells between the cherubims. This is a reference to that mercy seat that was over the Ark of the Covenant there. Which was symbolic of God's throne. You see that there in Exodus chapter 25 and verse uh, 22. 
Exodus chapter 25 and verse 22. Verse 20, uh, we'll begin there. And the cherubim's shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat, shall the faces of the cherubim be. Thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. And there I will meet with thee, I will commune with thee, from the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim were upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be in length thereof, and a cubit of breadth thereof, and a cubit of a half and a height thereof. And here in chapter 25, Moses is receiving instruction from the Lord God in how the tabernacle is to be built and how that tabernacle is to be patterned. It is the very place, Moses records here, where God will meet with His people. I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubims. And here we see that the King of Heaven is present to meet with His people. That the King of Heaven speaks to His people there in that mercy seat. And the blood, the sacrifices that were required were sprinkled upon that mercy seat. And yet here in chapter 99 verse 1 of the Psalms it says the peoples are to tremble. The nations who are in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ are to tremble because He The Lord Jesus Christ sits between the cherubim. It is the Lord Jesus Christ's blood that is sprinkled on behalf of His people. And it is there that we find where the Lord God meets with His people. There's nothing common about our worship. Our worship is extraordinary. Our worship is where the Lord Jesus Christ meets with His people. And then he concludes verse 1 by saying, Because he sits between the cherubims, the earth will be moved. It is moved. The nations are moved. They, They stagger. They sway. Because this king rules in Zion. But there he describes that the king rules in Zion, that he is a great god, That he is exalted high above all the earth. Those three psalms that I mentioned. Psalm 93, Psalm 97 and Psalm 99. Are psalms that declare that because he reigns. Because he is Zion's sovereign king. He is exalted high above all the people. There is nothing greater and higher than this one. Who is exalted over the nations of the earth. And then he concludes there in that first in those first three verses by saying, Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for he 
is holy. As we consider that the Lord Jesus Christ reigns as our King, as we consider that He is enthroned in Zion, that it is there where He meets with us, as we see Him exalted high, and the train of His robe, in essence, filling the temple, there's a call to give praise to His name, for it is a holy name. That word terrible that is used there, is that word that conjures up the idea of something that is great and mighty, something that excites terror or awe in people. Perhaps you wake up from a dream, that is the occasion I have, it's a terrible dream and you kind of jolt out of your sleep and and you're kind of terrified, you're not sure what all happened. Well that's a sense in which some people have terror they're struck with, with fear. But here, this king that rules in Zion's name is terrible because it is a name that the peoples are to fear. It is a name that strikes awe in them. It is a name that strikes a holy and righteous fear in them. Not because they're afraid of this God who will judge them. But because they reverence and hold... And glorify his name who is great. Remember the life of Martin Luther before his conversion? He was always struck with terror as he read the scriptures. He was always struck with the sense that he was not right before the, for the, before the Lord. He, he found God to be a terrible God. And yet when he experienced the salvation and the mercy of God. That sense of that terrible name changed. No longer feared a God who was to judge him and cast his soul into hell, but he feared a God who called him to himself to serve him, to glorify him, to give him praise. So here the psalmist says that that name, that name that describes all of his attributes, all of his divine qualities, is that name that is reserved for the people of God to worship. It is that name that is given to fear Him. It is that name that the Jews of the Old Testament would would not want to utter. They could not even utter the name of the Lord God. And yet here the psalmist says, Let them praise that great and terrible name, for it is holy. Do we have that sense of, Of the greatness of that name of our God. Oh we hear the name of God used in such vain and blasphemous ways. We see that name used in blasphemy all the time. Throughout our culture. And yet that name is a holy name that is to be feared. Is to be exalted. As the king who rules in Zion. But secondly. We see not only. That he is the God who reigns. But we see here in verses 4 and 5. That this king loves judgment. The king of of whom he is describing is the Lord Jesus Christ. That he is the king who loves judgment. He is the divine king who delights in justice. He has indeed granted justice. By pouring out his blood on behalf of his people. 
The sacrifice that was required for our salvation was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Lord God delights in the justice that he served. And so his judgment indeed is satisfied because he is Zion's king. It says he loves equity. Thou execute judgment executes judgment and righteousness in Jacob. So there's a sense in which this king delights in judgment. And so we as the people of God delight in his judgment. We delight in those things that are attached to his holiness, to his righteousness, to his judgments. And his judgments indeed are holy and true. And so then we come to that refrain Again in verse 5. Exalt ye the Lord our God. And worship at his footstool. For he. He is holy. There's a sense in which we read that. We come to the end of verse 3. For his name it is holy. For he is holy. The Lord our God is holy. And in every sense of that refrain that's repeated. In verse 3, verse 5, and verse 9, there's a sense in which we are to pause and think, that name is holy. You don't see that in the English text, but it should cause us to pause and think that His name is holy. That we are to give Him praise. That we are to exalt the name of our God and worship at His footstool. For He is holy. The footstool... Which the imagery has here in verse 5 is the base of the throne that is symbolized by the ark. You see that there in 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 2. That that is the footstool. And here it speaks of the fact that the Lord our God reigns over his people. That the Lord indeed is called, calls us to worship him because he is holy. Then we come to verses 6 through 9. And we see that the infinite holiness of our God is never a barrier to His grace in answering our prayers. He begins by reminding us that God is holy. That He is exalted. That He is to be praised. That His name is terrible. It's a holy name. That He Himself is holy. But then you come to verses 6 and 7 And we see here that His holiness, His righteousness, His exaltation as our sovereign King never precludes us from coming before His grace and calling upon Him. We see that there in the the passage there in Exodus where the Lord's presence dwelt there in the ark. And where God communicated with his people. But notice there in verses 6 through 8. The examples of the Old Testament where God dwelt with Moses. Where he dwelt with Aaron. Where he dwelt with Samuel. Even states there that Moses and Aaron were his priests. Samuel was among those that called upon his name. They called upon this holy God. They called upon that name of God that is preserved within the church. And he answered them. 
It's amazing that this God who indeed is exalted high, that this God whose name is terrible, is a God to whom we can come and find confidence, can find the blessing of coming before Him. And so it encourages us to worship Him. Notice verse 3, Let them praise Thy great and terrible name. Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at His footstool. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill. There's a call to worship this God because this is a God that is not so distant from us. That He does not draw near to His people. But Notice the Lord is great in Zion because the Lord Jesus Christ is the King to whom we draw near. We cannot approach this holy God. There's no sense in which we can approach God. We live in a day and age when many think that they can come into the presence of God in some cavalier or very uh, crass way, and yet we cannot approach this God. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ is the King to whom we can call upon Notice the priests and the prophets of the Old Testament called upon that name. It says the Lord God heard them. Verse 7, we see there that reference to Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21. Where God spoke to his people in that cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and they kept the ordinances that he gave them. So he gave them limited access in the Old Testament by the way of the cloud. He gave priests limited access to the temple, to that holy hill. They were only types of how the King, the Lord Jesus Christ, would dwell with his people. And so we see the beauty of drawing near to this Lord who answers us. Verse 8, Thou answered them, O Lord our God. Thou wast a God that forgave them. Thou tookest vengeance of their inventions. And here we see that the Lord Jesus Christ indeed draws near to us that even though we have sinned against Him, He hears the prayers and the cries of His people. Then as He concludes there, He says, exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. And then in that final refrain, the call is for us as His people to worship this God whose name is to be exalted. There in the wonderful passage before us, as we see there at the end of verse 9, Exalt the Lord our God, worship at His footstool, for He is holy. John Calvin gives us some wonderful words of encouragement as we consider this final verse in Psalm 99. He says that God... desire to dwell in the midst of his people in such a manner as not only to address their thoughts to the outward temple and the ark of the covenant, but rather to elevate them to things above. 
So he says that that term house or dwelling intended to impart courage and confidence to his people. That all the faithful may have boldness to draw near unto God freely whom they beheld coming to meet them of his own accord. And so here he reminds us that even here in the Old Testament the Lord Jesus Christ gives us that encouragement that we can approach him, that we can come with joy that we can come before this God who forgives us and cleanses us from all of our sins. And there's always a sense in which we come with fear and reverence before God. We've lost that in the modern church, but we need to capture that sense of the holiness of God. And yet that joy that comes from worshiping this God, growing up in a tradition where there was a sense of fear as you came before God. There might be elements of worship that might seem strange. Perhaps the offering up of incense or the ringing of bells and, and all of that superstition. It might awaken fear, but there was no joy. There was no sense of the presence of God. And yet Zion's king reminds us that he is to be feared. He is to be exalted. As the sovereign king. But the people are to come. With joy. Before him. Let them praise thy great and terrible name. For it is holy. Exalt ye the Lord our God. And worship at his footstool. For he is holy. Exalt the Lord our God. And worship at his holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. And yet the holiness of this king should excite us, should bring us to joy as we consider that he indeed is exalted. The Lord our God delights in the praises of his people. He delights in us coming before him in worship. And so let us take great consolation from Psalm 99. Because Zion's king rules righteously with justice and equity, the people can come before him with confidence and joy. And even in all of the trials and tribulations of life, this king receives the prayers of his people. This king gives us confidence, as the writer of Hebrews says, that we might come boldly before his presence, that we might come with joy before him. And so as we consider the psalm tonight. Is there a sense in which we approach this God. With fear and trembling. Do we come before this God. Who has infinite majesty and holiness. Do we come with a desire to serve him. To worship him. He is God. He is not a creature like us. He is not like the gods of the nations. He indeed is a God who is far removed, but yet he is a God who is approachable. Moses and Aaron were able to approach him, and we can approach him because of the Lord Jesus Christ and because of his great mercy and grace. And so let us come tonight and consider that indeed the Lord Jesus Christ indeed gives us joy as we come 
into his presence. Let us consider this, remembering that this is a psalm, calls the people to worship, calls us to declare our allegiance to this God. So let us come with that sense of joy as we come before this God, whose name indeed is holy. May we pray. O Lord, our God, we do give thee thanks for this wonderful promise that you hear the prayers of your people. We thank you that we have access unto thy throne of grace. That even as the Lord Jesus Christ reigns within Zion, we find that he receives the praise and the worship of your people. Lord, we pray that we would continually find great refreshment and joy in this Redeemer, in this Savior. We pray that you would remind us from this passage of the importance of drawing near to thee. We ask that you would remind us of the holiness of that name. That you would remind us of our duty to worship this God. To find great strength and power in him. Lord, thank you for that consolation and that comfort that we receive by your spirit. We pray that we might go forth with the desire to return every Lord's Day. To bring that acceptable worship unto thee. For we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us conclude this evening as we sing together Psalm 48. Great is Jehovah and His praise.